Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Is that microphone on? Okay, cool. Ha- well, Happy New Year, VLC. Happy New Year. What a day to start off in the house of God on the first day of this new year. What a privilege to be here. And wow, we do have a lot of people here. You guys are all awake. You got your caffeine. You're, uh, you got your coffee. It's so good to be start here. For those of you online, you're no less special. Thanks for joining us here today. And Happy New Year. What a great day to be part of it. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing me to... Um, give a message that I believe is from God here this morning. Um, it was kind of interesting. I, I, I got a chance on July 4th weekend to share a message as well. So it's really great to be invited back. So here it is, New Year's weekend. Um, so Pastor Jacob, just so you know, I'm, I'm ready for Easter weekend too, if, uh, if you want to give me that one. Ready to go. That's, that's a joke. I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. But, you know, once again, it's really great to be here in the house of God. Um, you know, so it's New Year's, right? So resolutions. Anybody Anybody make resolutions? Man, this like two people make resolutions? Come on, there's more people here. My wife loves to make resolutions. She's all about bettering her life. And she encourages the whole family to make these resolutions and to start off the new year by doing, you know, something good. Do something better in your life. Um, so like last year, I kind of got into it. And I made like nine. I don't like to call them resolutions because... I know I'm probably not going to do it, and then you feel bad. But I did like nine. Like, okay, I want to do these nine things this year. Well, after the first month, you know, it was down to like five. A few weeks later, I'm down to like two. But, uh, you know, there are a couple things that I actually did keep this last year, one of which is kind of silly, and I've actually done it for two years. I try to jump, and I try to swim every day, which is pretty easy because we have a pool in our backyard, so most days I can swim. Although... The last week, I've had to chip away at the ice just to get in the pool, so it was a little bit more of a harder resolution. I also did it when I was in Alaska, and that was, you know, in September in Alaska. It's pretty cold jumping into the Pacific Ocean, but uh, the, the one that I, that, I, that I do would encourage people to make, it is a new year, it's a great day to get started with great new resolutions, is to read the Bible every day. And I'm going to tell you, I haven't been consistent with that my entire life. But the last couple of years, God's given me the grace to do that. And the Bible in 1 Peter 2.2 says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So QQ, how often does a baby need milk? Like just maybe on Sunday, maybe every other Sunday, every four hours. It sounds like you know what you're talking about. So every four hours, that would be a lot of time to be in the Word, right? Every four hours, I mean, that would be great. But at least get into it every single day. Make a choice right now. Let's be in the Word of God daily. I'm a big fan of the the Bible app. I listen to it on the phone on the way to work. I got to commute, so I listen to the Word oftentimes on the way. Only takes a few minutes to get through the Bible, the entire Bible in a year. So I'd really encourage you guys to do that. But, you know, it's the new year. As we look at the new year and we look at what's going on in the world, there's a lot of craziness. We've gone through a lot of stuff these last years. Um, I like to keep abreast with the news, so I'm always watching. I don't watch the news. I read the news, but I, I, 
I like to read economic news and world news and stuff that's going on. And here's a few headlines that just, you know, really help us enter the new year right. Um, here's the first picture, hopefully. Um, here's, here's one. Could we enter the tribulation in 2023? That's a really uplifting, you know, headline. How about this next one? More Americans may lose their jobs around Christmas time. Well, that's, that, that's, that's not great. All right, next one. How to avoid another world war. Well, that's just great. Well, actually, I want to avoid a world war. I mean, nobody wants it. But the fact that we're talking about it is not a great thing. All right, this next one, this is just sure to bring us hope. U.S. life expectancy fell to the lowest level since 1996. Oh, that's not good either. All right. What about, what about this last one? This one stresses my dog out actually a lot. Um, egg prices surged to record levels as bird flu decimates the poultry flock. Anybody worried about that today? You know? So my dog actually really loves to uh, force me to make her an egg on the days I'm off. So I think we got a little video of her eating a little egg here. So if I don't do it, she just barks at me and will not stop until finally I relent and I make her an egg. She only gets it like one time a week because most of the times I'm at work early. But, you know, there's a lot of things that could stress us out, a lot of uncertainty as we enter into the new year. But I want us to look today at what God's plans for us are this new year, what he wants us to do, and how do we rely on him this new year. Our text is in Jeremiah, and the main verse for today is Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And then it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you and we look in your word today, and we look at what you have to say and what your plans are for us this new year, May you give us comfort, hope, and just a vision of what you want to do in us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So the title of my message today is very simply, God's plan for you this new year. God's plan for you this new year. All right, well, let's dig just a little bit deeper into what's going on with Jeremiah. So we just read the text first. Let's start way at the start of the chapter, Jeremiah 29, verse 1. And let's see what's going on with Jeremiah when he wrote these words. So verse 1 says, These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles, and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. All right, there's a lot to unpack there. Interesting that Jeremiah is writing this letter to people who've had everything stripped from them. If you're in exile, these people were living in Jerusalem, minding their own business, having a great life. Nebuchadnezzar comes in, he steals all their stuff, destroys the temple, steals all the spoils of war, probably kills a ton of people along the way. Maybe some of the family and friends of these people he killed. Now he's taking them into a foreign city, and they're basically captives in a foreign city. That's not a great start. That's not a great place to be. I would imagine that these people are feeling a lot of stress, a lot of uncertainty, probably more than egg prices, right? They're feeling a lot of uncertainty. They've lost their jobs. They've lost their family. They've lost where they live. I don't think there's a situation that you could almost have less certainty in what you should do. Can you imagine? 
I think it would be easier for them to go, well, what's God's plan for me now? What's God's plan for me now? Well, let's see. Let's see what God's plan for them is. In, Jer- in, in verse 4, Jeremiah is writing the letter, and he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile. Side note, he, God, sent them into exile. Kind of a cool little point right there. But to all the exiles from Jerusalem to Babylon, and here's his first thing that he tells them to do, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Build how, uh, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Guys, remember, these people have been in a tough spot. It doesn't get any tougher than that. And what does God tell them his plan for them is? Is it to fight against the unjust political system of King Neb? I actually have to write King Neb here because I don't know how to spell Nebuchadnezzar. I told you before, I really can't spell. Can anybody spell Nebuchadnezzar just off the top of their fan? I don't know who can. But this Nebuchadnezzar guy is really not a good guy, right? He's conquering the world, and I think I got a little picture of him here. I don't know if it's completely accurate. But uh, this guy is no good. He's conquering the world. He's taking things over. He's not doing good things. Does God say, you know what? Your job is to fight against this guy and make the world a better place. He doesn't. You think it's God's plan for us to stress about all the bad things going on or the bad things that could happen? It's not, guys. It's not God's plan for you to do that. If you had had everything taken, it would be very easy to stress. I mean, I think people today stress about a lot of different things. You know, we got, we, got, we got kids living with mom and dad for forever because they just can't quite get it together. We've got people delaying marriage and delaying kids because of climate change, right? Well, we don't know what the future is going to live like. I, I can't start a family because things are too uncertain. Guys, if the people who've been taken into exile are being told by God, build houses and live in them plant gardens and eat their produce. God's got a message for us today as well. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, I just love this passage. God's got some great things about living from God. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 7 says, Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. I think there's so much to unpack. This little passage has got so very much in it. I mean, look at that. Eat bread with joy. Who doesn't like eating bread? But eat it with joy. Drinking wine with a merry heart. God approving of what you do for work. How about washing your clothes? It says, wash your clothes, do your hair, enjoy life. And at the end it says, and whatever your hand finds to do, whatever you're doing, whatever work you have, do it with your might. Ecclesiastes 2.24 also says, there is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. 
We should be working for God, our own future, and for our families. I think it's easy in church to sometimes, you know, talk about, hey, what we need to do to serve God. You know, we need to be, we need to be working in kids' ministry, amen, right? We need to be doing that. We've got all these different things we should do, and we should be doing things in the house of God. But there's a lot more than that. I love how Pastor Ron, Pastor Jacob lift up the holy calling of everyday work. The holy calling of everyday work. You know, I think God's plan for us this new year is for you to work. God's plan for you this new year is for you to work. Well, how do we apply that? How do we apply work? Well, I think three ways. Three ways here, guys. Let's go to Colossians 3.22. And in Colossians 3.22, it says, Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. All right, guys. So you think if you're a bond servant, which I think is kind of a fancy way of saying slave, but if you're a bond servant, do you think that you're always working for an incredible organization and your boss just gets you and always finds a way to motivate you and it just, it's a great work environment? I, I, I promise you, if you're a bond servant, it's not always great. It's not always just the most awesome work environment ever. Do you think if you're a bond servant, the advice of do what you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life? Do you think that applies to bond servants? No, I don't think it does. I actually hate that advice. I think it's terrible advice. You know, we got all these kids thinking they're going to be Instagram influencer or whatever. Oh, that's not going to be my new, my new job for me. You know, and my kids have actually been somewhat successful on social media. My, my son Riley, I think, has got a TikTok with 33 million views somehow. I don't know. And Austin had an Instagram he actually sold. That's great. But you know what? Sometimes work is work. Sometimes work is work. Work's not always great. It's not always fun. And you don't enjoy it every day. I think most of you guys know where I work. I think, you know, if you didn't, pastor, the pastor just told you. I work at Target, Right? And Christmas time is always the craziest time of year as people with, have to get all these gifts. And it's not always fun. I think I've got a couple pictures up here um, of some of the craziness. So these, this, this I literally took on December 23rd of this year, right before you got to get ready for Christmas Eve. You think that's fun to fix? Show the pictures of all the work we had to do. No, there's more bad. Okay, that's not good. All right, cool. Here's the good. Here's how we open Christmas Eve, December 24th. Do you think going from those bad pictures to the good pictures that I'm showing you here was just all fun and joy? No, some of it was work, guys. Some of that is work. My overnight teams had to work to get things done. You know, Riley and Austin, they both work at Target as well. Not my Target, they work at the Miramar one. They're always telling crazy stories about work. Riley oftentimes come home and he's just like, well, today was the worst day ever at work. And he says it in such a dramatic way, you just can't help but laugh. And then he proceeds to tell a story about how somebody cussed at him because the drive-up order took too long or, or, you know, something went wrong. The other day he comes home and he's like, you know, he's like, was, I was holding this bag that, at work today. And I'm like, it was like this ornament, this really nice glass ornament. And I knew it was the last one here. And I'm like, man, this would really, really stink if somehow, and then he drops it. Not on purpose, on accident. Again, guess who gets to tell the guests? you know what, I'm sorry, we don't have any more, something happened, 
I'm not sure he told the whole story to the guests, but, uh, you know, like, work is sometimes not always fun. But we're serving God while we work. So I think God would have us work where you're staffed. Work where you are staffed. The job that you have where you're working is the work that God would have you to do. Whatever's in your hand, do it with your might. So that's like step one of how do we work. Step two, so you're working where God has you staffed, but you're also working with your staff. Okay, Steve, what do you mean? What do you mean? All right, remember the story of Moses and the burning bush? Let's, let's back up just a little bit. So Moses was born at a time when the Pharaoh was worried that there was too many Hebrews, so he tells them to kill all the babies. Well, his mom and dad were able to save him. And remember, Pharaoh's daughter found him and rescued him. And so Moses was raised royally. He was raised around royal privilege, around amazing artifacts. He had a ton of advantages. He probably even saw the pyramids. I think I got a couple pictures of pyramids here, which, which are really pretty cool Really pretty cool. These pyramids, this is, yeah, this is the Great Pyramid of Giza. And they're awesome things. Growing up in an environment where you're around that type of architectural structure is pretty cool. Side note on the pyramids, I think Napoleon seen the pyramids. Very likely Jesus saw the pyramids. Moses saw the pyramids. Cleopatra, of course, Caesar. So it's kind of a cool, cool side note. But, but anyway, back to Moses. After being raised royally and around such glamour, remember he goes to visit his people and he sees a Hebrew being beaten up by Egyptian, so he kills the Egyptian, doesn't make Pharaoh happy, so he runs away to Midian, and he spends 40 years in Midian as a shepherd, right? And I love it when we hear from God, and God is speaking to him out of the burning bush. In an Exodus 4.1, we read, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. And then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. Verse 17, then, if we skip down, and God tells him to take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. Hey, does this apply at Target? I'm going to be real. Target's not a perfect place. Probably where you work is not a perfect place either, right? I'm sure every day working at VLC might not even be a perfect. I don't know, is it? Amen? I mean, all right, cool. Yeah, you know, because there's people, and we work with people that are messy. But you know what? Mo God was telling Moses, what's in your hand? And of course, Moses had a staff, right? He had his shepherd's staff. What do I have in my hand? I'll show you. In my hand, I get a name badge. It says Stephen on it. So I have, to put, I have to put this thing on every day, and this is my staff. I, love, I actually really like the illustration of Target's name badge. You see my name badge? It just says Stephen on it. It doesn't say store director. We don't put our titles on our name badges. You know why? Because we're all working for the same thing, which is to serve our guests. The same way as we do as Christians. doesn't matter if you're a pastor or you're an auto mechanic, you're an IT person, an FAA controller, a drive-up team member, a McDonald's worker. What you do is a holy calling of God. I praise God that he's given me the ability to, to run a store and, and be able to uh, work for Target for a long time. But my staff right now is to run that store to the best of my ability, to do it the right way, to, and to be a light for Christ. You know, what you 
do as a holy calling as well. You know, at Target, people need stuff, right? People actually, real world, need food. Good and gather is delicious. They need clothes. You need new pillows. Actually, Amy, we don't need new pillows. (laughs) You don't need new pillows. Guys, serious story. One point, I was like, Amy, we have too many pillows on our bed. Let's let's count them. You don't... You want to know how many pillows we had on our bed? Anybody want to take a guess? Third? That's pretty good. 14 pillows. Who needs 14 pillows on your bed? You don't. But hey, so if you actually, you know, once those all wear down, I guess we can get new pillows. You do need new pillows eventually, and you can buy them at Target. People need stuff. I remember after Hurricane Ivan in Pensacola back, I think it was 2004, we were the first store to get back open. Everybody else was shut. The hurricane destroyed the city. Somehow we had power. We were able to get our store open way before Walmart or anybody else. Not to badmouth anybody. But, like, we were able to get it open way earlier. I remember a lady coming in, and she literally grabbed me and hugged me and cried and said, I haven't been able to have food for my baby. Ran out of formula and diapers two days ago. Thank you for being here. So your job and my job is a holy calling. People really need, need stuff. And the other thing is, while you're there and while I'm there at work, we can be a light for Christ. I sh- I'm sure many of you could share stories, and I could give you lots of stories of being a light for Christ, of being someone to listen, someone to pray with for people. And also, God's obviously given you the chance to make your workplace better. I tell people constantly, I view it as a God-given responsibility to try to make my store the best store that it possibly can be for the team members that work there, to be able to be a place that you can come and go, wow, I'm at work, and it's a good place. Those things are holy callings from God. What is in your hand? What is your staff? Being a mom is also just as important as any career. I think Elon Musk, I got a a Twitter quote here. Being a mom is just as important as any career as well. Whatever you do is what God would have you to do. So I think you should work where God has you staffed. You should work with your staff. And finally, you should work with all your strength. In Proverbs 6, 6, it says, go to the ants, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. There's so many verses about getting to work and not being lazy in the Bible. Proverbs is full of them. In Proverbs 13, it also says, The soul of the sluggard will crave and get nothing, but while the diligent is richly supplied. We're not supposed to be lazy. We're supposed to get in work and work with all your strength, whether the boss is watching or not. Boy, I would really like that at work. If all my employees would always work, whether anybody was watching or not, that would be amazing. That's what we're supposed to be like as Christians. Back to our Jeremiah passage. Jeremiah is telling them in verse 5 to build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. You can't be a lazy farmer and get any crops. You can't be a lazy construction worker and actually get a house. You have to work, and you have to work with all of your strength. So God's plan for you this new year is for you to work. That's awesome. Work. 
But what's next? What's the next plan that God might have for us today? Well, let's go to verse 6 of Jeremiah, our passage. And it says, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, and do not decrease. So I think God's plan for you this new year is for you to enjoy life. Have kids. Have a family. In Ecclesiastes, once again, it talked about eating your bread with joy and drinking your wine with a merry heart and doing your hair and washing your clothes and enjoying life with the wife whom you love. I think this is some great advice from God. Enjoy life. You know, as you guys know, and I just talked about, this time of year is very stressful at work, right? A lot going on at Target. Um, people are buying stuff. And Pastor Ron asked me, I think at the start of December, he's like, hey, would you mind sharing a message on New Year's Day? And of course, I said yes. And then I got really stressed. I'm not going to lie, really stressed. December has been absolutely crazy for me. Every moment I thought I'd be able to, like, prepare, I, I couldn't. I'm thinking all these thoughts. I'm like, I need to sit down. And every evening, every day, jam-packed full. And I started getting stressed. I don't even know what I'm going to preach on. And here it's coming up. So Thursday... Last Thursday, right before Christmas, the day before Christmas, I finally had a day off. And I'm like, okay, this is the day I'm going to put my message together. So I get my computer out. I got papers. I've got different Bible. I had no idea. Like different Bible verses. And I'm like, what? you know, I really need to put this together for God. God has a message he wants me to share. I need to get it together. And guess what? It was like 80 degrees outside and sunny. And when it's 80 degrees outside and sunny, and my wife says, hey, let's go by the pool I love going by the pool in the sun. There's nothing more more my favorite than being by the pool in the sun with my wife. And my wife's like, hey, it's really nice outside. And I'm like, I can't go. Can't go outside. I got too much work to do for God. I got to put this message together. Well, it kept looking better out there and better and better. And I'm not getting much done, but I'm like, I need to get this done. And uh, eventually I was like, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go outside for just a little bit, 20 minutes. I'll go outside, I'll come right back in. I ended up, while I was out there, I was pretty stressed, and I started praying to God, God, can you please let me know what you want me to talk about? And while I was literally sitting in the lounge chair, God gave me the three points that I'm basically talking today, gave me the passage, and I'm like, there it is right in front of me. It says, enjoy life with the wife that you love. I'm doing what God wants me to do right now. I just got to live it out. And so you know what? For the rest of the afternoon, we had a great time. We made some French fries. We had a cold beverage. And I enjoyed the afternoon. And God still was able to help me know exactly what he wanted me to talk about. I think I have a picture of the fries and the, and the beverage maybe up there. Yeah, there you go. See, it was a great afternoon. But I, I say do what Jeremiah says. Get married and have kids. This is some great advice for you young people here, all right? All you young people, listen up, especially my kids. Um, the best way to enjoy life is to have a family. Trust me. What the world tells you about all the career and, you know, you have to achieve all this in education, the best joy and the best way to enjoy life is to have a family. I hate some of the advice that you hear from the world today about, like, you need to have everything lined up. You've got to have your education. You've got to have all this, all this. All... You don't have to have it. 
True story. My wife and I, when we got married, had absolutely nothing. We had a mattress and we had a 19-inch TV. We did not have a single piece of furniture. I'm not lying. We didn't have a side table. We didn't have a dining room table. We didn't have a chair. We didn't have anything. Literally, we sat on the floor, ate our food on the floor. We watched our little 19-inch TV on the floor in a little baby apartment. And life was great. And life is still great. Enjoy life with the wife of your youth. I used to pray this psalm every day in the summer of 1999. It was the summer before I met my wife. Listen to this psalm, Psalm 128. I pray this. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hand. I wanted to work hard for God. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots. One, two, three, right there. Around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. The only part that I haven't seen in my life so far of this, of this prayer that I prayed in 1998 is my children's children, and someday, hopefully in the next few years, we'll see that too, right? There we go. Remember, God's telling this to the exiles in Jerusalem. He's telling them to enjoy life. How do you tell somebody to enjoy life when they've had everything taken away? But that's what God's telling him. Hey, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. You need to work, but there's also a time to enjoy life. Have a family. Enjoy what God's given us. God's plan for you this new year is for you to work. God's plan for you this new year is to enjoy life. And finally, we get to God's plan for you this new year is for you to trust him. Going back to the passage in Jeremiah, verse 7, we keep going. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Down to verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. I think we need to trust God to have the right plan at the right time. He has the timing correct. We still do need to do the work. We still should seek the welfare of the city that we live in. We should be giving, we should be working, we should be praying but he has the timing. He already had it all figured out. 70 years, these people are going to be in Babylon. Then he's going to bring them back home. In the meantime, we should be enjoying the life that God's given us. Verse 7 said, talking about seeking the welfare of the city. We should do this as Christians. We should be voting. We should be seeking the best for America. We should try to work at what is best. My parents homeschooled me back when it was illegal in the state of Nebraska. They worked for the welfare of the city. There was kids being taken away and put in foster care for being homeschooled. My parents fought, and they're still involved in the fight for homeschooling in America. They won that fight, and eventually it became legal across all the states, and many people here today homeschool, including, including us. But, you know, even during that fight, as you're seeking the welfare of the city, as you're seeking the welfare and trying to see this country be successful, remember that America is not our home. We're just a passing through, right? We still seek it, but we know this isn't the final result. God had a plan. He had it all worked out 70 years. And I think we should be trusting God to have the right plan at the right time. We should also be trusting God for salvation. The, the Bible says 
um, in verse 11, Jer- going back to our passage in Jeremiah, the, our text was, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. The best future and hope you can have is in the good news of his son. The Bible says that all we have to do is accept the gift of God in salvation. In Romans 3.23, it makes it very simple. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we're justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. We just celebrated Christmas, right? Did anybody get a gift that somebody handed you and was like, no, I don't want it. It's probably not any good. Have you ever seen a kid say, no, I don't want a gift? No. People accept gifts, and it's that simple with Christ. He is giving us the gift of salvation by what Jesus did as a propitiation. He took it. He took our place. He did it for us so that we, in faith, just simple faith, accepting the gift, could have eternal life and have a life with Christ. That's the best future and hope any of us could have is in Christ Jesus. So I think we should be trusting God to have the right plan at the right time. We should definitely be trusting Christ for salvation and for our eternal place. But we should also trust God in prayer. Verse 12 of our text, it says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So we're coming up on the 21 days of prayer and fasting, right? Last January, I had a chance on one of the Saturday mornings to talk a little bit about prayer and what God's done in my life through prayer. I talked a little bit about how we should be praying as an expectant child, just like a child asks for a Snicker bar from their parents, and you want to give them candy, and I always tried to say yes, but sometimes you need to say no because the kid's teeth can rot and all that stuff. But that's the way we should go to God in prayer. He's going to give us an answer, either a yes or a no. I, I shared with you guys how, like, I used to keep track of some of my prayer requests in a notepad. And eventually I switched and got more high tech, and I've got it on my phone now, where I actually oftentimes record prayers of, like, okay, God, I need this or I want this, whatever, whatever it is. And I actually printed those out for you guys, and that stack of answered prayers from my app was multiple, multiple, multiple pages. And some of the prayers were really silly. Like one of them was, hey, I pray that I catch a sailfish. And I caught a sailfish the very next day. I'm actually going fishing again tomorrow, and I'm praying that we catch some big fish. God can answer your prayers. You know, these people that are in exile, they would be a great time to doubt that God would answer prayers, right? Mm -hmm. Things have been going wrong. Things that I'm sure then nobody prayed that all that bad stuff would happen, but sometimes bad stuff happens, but then we can still trust God. So I was on this stage, as I said, a few, about a year ago, 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I gave you all these stories of God answering prayers and all this stuff. So I never would doubt, right? Yeah, I got it all together. No, I don't. No, I don't. I still oftentimes can doubt. So in the middle of November of this year, I actually put in my prayer app, God, give me some unexpected money. Okay, I know what you guys are thinking. That's a crazy prayer, all right? That's, you know, Christmas is coming up. Steve, you got a job. What, what, what are we putting that down for? That's silliness. And so I prayed that in the beginning of November, the middle of November, and you know what? It didn't come true, right? It didn't come true. And so I'm immediately kind of embarrassed by it. Like, you ever prayed something and then you're kind of embarrassed by it? 
You're like, that was kind of embarrassing. So usually in my prayer app, I put down either a yes or a no or how God answered the prayer. And so that would be one I should just write no on, you know, no answer, no, but I didn't do that. I was so embarrassed by this prayer, I deleted it out of the app. Just delete. This never happened, God. I never even said it, okay? Forget about it. You didn't want to do it. I've got a job. I don't need that. That's just silliness. And I don't believe in prosperity gospel, but God also has got us. God did answer that prayer. He just did it a little creatively. You want to know how he did it? All right. So on January 4th of 2020, step back like three years with me. So I bought me and my wife, Amy, tickets to go to Italy, Florence, Italy. We're going to spend a week in Italy in June of 2020, celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary in Italy. It's going to be so romantic. I'm so thoughtful. It's so great. And it was going to be awesome. But guess what? 2020, June, was not a good time for travel. In fact, nobody was traveling, right? Everything got shut down around the world. Boom, those tickets are now worthless. They canceled my flights. They would not give me a refund because it is a foreign airline and everything. And, you know, these are circumstances beyond their control, so they don't have to give me a refund. Eventually, they agreed and was like, well, you can have a 12-month travel voucher. A lot of good that did me. 12 months from now, you still couldn't travel any of the places that this airline used to fly without, it still didn't work. So I'm just out this money. We're talking serious money. These tickets were like $1,700 between the two of them. All right, I'm out this money. You want to know what happened? On December 12th of this last month, I went home, I opened up my credit card statement from Fidelity, And on it was two transactions dated November 16th. And on those transactions, they refunded my airline tickets. Three years later, way given up on that, guys. Way given up on that. That, Totally forgotten about that. But God, I don't remember the date I prayed that prayer. I bet you if I knew it, it probably was November 16th. What do you want to bet? I don't know. It was in the middle of November. And God answered it. I didn't know about it for almost a month. So I want to tell you guys, never, ever doubt my God. Don't doubt him. God's plan for you this new year is for you to trust him. Trust him to have the right plan at the right time. Trust him in for salvation, most importantly. But you can also go to him as an expectant child in prayer. Trust him in prayer. God's plan for you this new year is to work. Some of you need to get busy and get to work or work harder and faster and more efficiently at your job while being a light for Christ. God's plan for you this new year is to enjoy life. Sometimes you gotta slow down and be like, God's given me this. And God's plan for you this new year is for you to trust him. I hope this has been an encouragement to you today. I want you to examine your life and go, you know what? I know I can have rely on God this new year. While we're relying on God, you know what? Get busy, get to work, enjoy life, and trust him. He has the right timing. Back to our text, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Once again, Happy New Year, VLC. Thank you.
Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.